It was so kind of <clears throat> Pastor Eugene to allow me to talk about the kind of giving uh, that we're going to talk about this morning, and that is giving to the community, serving in the community, because that's my heartbeat. That's where I am these days. Um, and I want to tell you uh, basically why and who and how uh, to be generous uh, and be of service in your community. And so let me start off with just this um, theme verse here. This is the, the, the one in the Bible that's most explicit about serving the community. Jeremiah 29, 7, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Now, all of you believers know this is not our home. That's our home. But we um, have temporary homes down here, and we're supposed to build those places up and, and not let them go to trash. And, and so it says, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And it's not just talking financially here. It's talking emotionally and socially um, and spiritually. When we talk about spiritual maturity, when you can build up the culture of a city to have a, a culture of service and caring, um, then your spiritual maturity, along with everyone else's, is listed. So here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to talk about one thing. All right, uh, put up the one thing. This is one thing, one thing I want you to learn. And that is why you're still here. Do you know why you're still here? Because God, in God's plan, you're still here because nobody can do what he put you here for. You're irreplaceable. See, I, I tell people often, if this was all about going to heaven, the moment you accepted God's grace in Jesus Christ, he would have killed you because you'd have just gone to heaven. So no use you being down here anymore. You're just taking up space. If this was all about, and this is what churches many times get involved in, you know, spiritual growth so that we can be closer to God, be closer to each other, um, 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 learn more of the Bible, learn, you know, uh, have the holy fellowship, he'd have killed you because you're going to be closer to him up there, closer and, and spiritual growth. I mean, you'll, I mean, you'll, you'll know uh, then I will know fully, even as I've been fully known, you'll, you'll have it all. So it can't be about that. I mean, it sure, certainly we, we grow spiritually. Certainly we want to be more like God. Certainly we want to be closer to each other, but that's not, that's not why you're, you're still here because God knit you together in your mother's womb for a purpose only you can achieve. And it, doesn't, it isn't just about what you do. It's about what happens because of you. And so therefore, let's go to 139. Uh, psalm 139, uh, I love this psalm. It says, it's a prayer to God. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance all the days ordained. I want you to hear that word, ordained. You know, you're all in ministry. If you follow Jesus, you're in ministry. Ministry isn't about clerical collars or anything else. It's about how you serve in the name of Jesus. Ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan and he had it before you were ever born. And so therefore... You're not just wandering around. God made you with a wiring no one else has, with relationships no one else has, in circumstances no one else has. 
And so therefore, he has a plan to use you specifically. But it's not just about you or me. It's about him. It's about how he wants to come into this world like um, uh, through us. Because, I tell you what, let's go back to a, the, Lord, the, the, the prayer the Lord taught us to pray. Our, our Father, that, that, that one. There's a phrase in there, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, and this is what it says. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the big picture is we're supposed to make this place more like heaven. That's why we're still here. We're supposed to align heaven with earth. And God's nature should come through us because his nature fills the heavens and the earth. And so it should specifically come through us. What is his nature? Well, it tells us in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only son. God's nature is that he loves in a way that it gives. And if you are a follower of God, we should love in a way that we give. That's the deal. And we give generously, overwhelmingly. We give that which is most important to us. Because God loves in a way that always benefits others. Now, every time I preach a sermon like this, and I'm preaching a lot of sermons like this these days, because I want people to understand how important their lives are. I want, I want them to know what they know intuitively, but they usually disregard. I, I, I used to read the Peanuts cartoons. I love those. And, and Linus usually waxed eloquently, philosophically. Had, had some pretty good insights. And one time, Linus is looking at his daughter, or his, uh, his little sister, Sally. And, uh, and, and he, he's, he's saying something that he's heard adults say. And he looks at Sally and he says, oh, if we only knew then what we know now. And little Sally looks at him and says, what do we know now? Well, let me tell you what we know now. We know that we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. See, every time I do this, there's a, there's a lot of little self-righteous religious people go, oh, well, good works. God already did all those. Nothing's necessary. Au contraire. Read the next part of the sentence. We are saved by grace, unmerited favor, through faith, that not of works, lest any man should boast. What's the rest of the phrase? Here it is, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there's a plan. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. You understand? We're not saved by being good enough. We're saved to do good. All right? And so therefore, we, we, need, to, we need to give it. We need to give what we got and on every level. I, knew, I heard a story once about a, a, an embittered, Christian. There's a, unfortunately a lot of them around. Um, and, and he'd been terribly hurt by the church. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who have been terribly hurt by the church. And so he went to this artist and he said, I want to commission you for an artwork. He said, I, I want to commission you to paint me a portrait, portrait of a dying church. Because I want to hang that up in my office. 
And I just want to revel in it every day. I had this vengeance things going, going on, which never works out, by the way. Um, so the, in, in, in three weeks, the port was, was due to come back. And, and the guy thought, well, I, he's going to paint me a picture of this old, dilapidated, fallen apart church, totally empty, grass all grown up. and all. That's not what the point, painting was. The painting was this gorgeous, beautiful building and everybody and 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 then you could see inside the church and 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 it's packed everybody everybody's there and everybody's dressed up and everybody's being nice to one another and at first he thought what in the world i asked him to paint me a portrait of a dying church and then he noticed in the corner of the foyer was the missions box and there was a cobweb over the slot in other words, a dying church is a church that doesn't give to anybody but itself. That's a dying church. There's a, there's, a, there's a great illustration. If you've been to Israel, you know the Sea of Galilee is still teeming with life. But there's a, a body of water there called the Dead Sea. And the difference between those two is that the Dead Sea has no outlet. The water that goes through the the Sea of Galilee keeps it healthy and alive. And so we know why we're still here. Because God has a purpose for each of our lives and many of our lives together. And it is to give and to serve. But who? Who? Well, we start with those around us. It says in Scripture that there's a pattern. Start with those around you. And, 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 and this is how we get that. In, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, this is what it says. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Who's close enough to see your good deeds? The people right around you. How did, how did Jesus do ministry? Did he say, you know, I've got a, I've got a plan. I'm going to go 500 miles and serve this community. No, he walked along. And God put people in, right in front of him who needed his help. And he just helped them. How does Jesus still do ministry? His disciples walk along and, people, and God puts people right in front of us who need help. And we help out. It's, it's not much more complicated than that. Now, I know some of you have these great visions for, for ministries elsewhere. I don't want to discourage you in that. You know, God may, may call you to that. I, and, and, and it could be that, that he really, you know, tugs on your heart and you're all worried about, you know, funding for it and all that kind of stuff. You know, and, and you shouldn't. If, if, you know, somebody once said... Uh, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. So, so he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, whatever, whatever he calls you to do, he'll provide for you to do it. But if you go long enough and he ain't providing, maybe you ought to uh, go back as to, hmm, is there somebody just right around me who might need my help? I, I, I knew a guy uh, in my last church that just got radically saved. I mean, he was a, he was a, he was hell on wheels um, in his life. He, he just was this, you know, living life, drunk all the time. Every, there wasn't a sin 
that wasn't on this guy's list, and he always accomplished his list. And, and, but he wandered into church drunk one night, and, and God got a hold of him. Uh, and, and there was an altar call that night, and I, and I ca- just called people to come and trust in Jesus, and he came down. Well, his life totally turned around. I mean, there wasn't any middle, you know, incremental, you know, with a lot of us, there's, there's kind of steps, you know. But with him, boom, okay. And he said, not too, not too long after that, I got to go to, I'm going to go, I, I feel like God wants me to go to Africa and serve. And I'm thinking, why, why is it that there are people who feel called to go to another land, they don't know the language, they don't fit into the culture, they have no idea what they're doing, but they feel God calls them there. That makes really little sense to me. Uh, it may, makes more sense if we, if we empower the people in that land, you know, that already are part of the, never mind. But that's another sermon altogether. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting off track. All right. But, but so anyhow, he goes and he's just sitting there going, God, well, what do I do now? You know, well, we're, we're, you know, I'll, I'll need funding for, for the ministry I have in mind. When are you going to provide, provide me with funding? Well, he had this inkling that he ought to get in his car and drive down this road. And so he went out. It was winter at that time, and he couldn't get his car started. It was a diesel. It took him 25 minutes. He's going to God, really? You want me to drive in the car? You want me to start my car? What's the deal with this? Well, he finally got it started, and then he went down the road. There was nobody on this road. I mean, they, there, was, there was like nothing. But he came on this accident. This car was turned upside down. He got out of his car. He went to this other car. It was, it was on fire. Um, and he saw two elderly people. Uh, um, and he got them out. And, and long after that, he came to know who they were. They had a ministry. It was a wonderful ministry. And this is what occurred to him. Maybe it's not about what I can do. Maybe it's about what I can help others do. Maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's about them. And so I just want to, I want to say that God will take us in concentric circles. Um, but remember the life of Jesus. He would talk to the person right in front of him, but often the person right in front of them, after he dealt with them, had relationships that they were concerned about. That's what's going to happen with you. Whoever you're helping, God will lead you to the next realm. In, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. It says, you will be my witnesses. This is in concentric circles. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So God will take you from who you know out to larger circles to larger circles. But many times it's going to be very personal until it gets to the larger circle of changing an entire culture. Let me, let me, let me say this, uh, go here just for a minute before I get to the, to the Good Samaritan thing. <clears throat> Many times God gets us into ministry by making us face such painful situations we could not have imagined before. And many times through other people's pain, he gives us a compassion we could not have had before. When I was a, a, a little kid in my small town growing up, one morning I just went out uh, and it was cold. I remember it was cold that morning. I was only about eight, eight years old. And I just decided to go exploring the town, parts of town I'd never been in, uh, in before. That wasn't a very big town, um, but you could do that back then. You could walk anywhere you wanted to and 
And, uh, and so I just walk in. For some reason, I had scored a bag of M&Ms. By the way, some guy on his way out um, gave me this out of his guest pack. Uh, so I scored another bag of M&Ms, <laughs> which is very kind. Um, but I had this bag of M&Ms. And, and, and so I'm, I'm going down the street, and I'm just kind of enjoying my M&Ms, just eating a couple at a time because you want to make them last as long as you can. Now, I was poor, so candy was a rarity for me. My father died when I was four years old. I was raised by a single mom. My sister and I were, um, and, and we were poor. Not, I mean, we didn't know we were poor because we never went hungry, but, but we had to do a lot to survive. Um, so anyhow, I'm going down the street, and I come across this one house. Some of you are old enough to remember these houses. This is the cheapest housing, old plywood tar paper shack. Uh, and the tar, the, 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 the tar paper was, was painted like bricks, but it, there weren't bricks. It was just painted like that. It was nailed onto the plywood. And it was just falling down. It was just a horrible, dilapidated thing to look at. And, 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 and I, I saw there wasn't, any, there wasn't any grass in the yard. It was just dirt, old cans and bottles laying out there. There was a chain link fence around the, around the house. And and, and, uh, and there was just a couple of bushes up near the house. Well, I'm going by, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what a mess of a house that is. And I saw what I thought, something moved behind one of those bushes. And so I just stood still because I wanted, wanted to see what it was. And, and I just kind of, you know, ate another M&M, and it moved again. And eventually, this little girl's head poked out from behind that bush. And I got to tell you, she was just filthy, and her hair was just matted, and, and she was shaking. She was so scared. And so just instinctively, I offered her some M&Ms. Well, she never did look at me. Her eyes were always on the M&Ms. And so I jiggled it a little, and a little by little, she came out from behind that bush and she started toward me. I can't tell this story without this reaction because I can see it like it was yesterday. She was filthy. But underneath the dirt were the bruises. They were all over her body. And I held out the candy and she came very close and she held out her hand, and I gave her the rest of the M&Ms, and as soon as she had them, she ran. I was so distraught that I went home, and I asked my mom about that house, and my mom said, oh, yeah, everybody knows about that house. The grandfather is a raging alcoholic, and he is one of the most vicious and angry men that's ever lived. And the grandfather is the daughter's, is the granddaughter's father. I didn't know what he meant at that time, or what my mom meant at that time. I only came to learn later what that meant. But I remember looking at my mom and saying, well, why didn't somebody help? And my mom said something I'll never forget. Church people won't have anything to do with her. 
with them. And I said, what do you mean? She said, because church people don't want others to think they approve. I've never been able to not ask, what? What did you just say? Church, if you never remember anything I say, I want you to remember this. We're not here to approve. We're here to help. We're here to help. This world does not need more condemnation. This world needs people who are ready to serve no matter who they are because they're valuable to God, whether they're valuable to any other people or not. They're valuable to God. That's why we're here. And the fact is, you know, most of those people will never darken the door of a church. They want, you know, every once in a while we're fortunate to have them come and join, but they don't feel worthy. They don't feel like they'll get approved. They, 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 they don't feel like they know the Bible. And so therefore, we've got to go out there. They're in our community. We need to go to them like God came to us, like was the pattern of Jesus. And we not only need to go to them, watch this, but we need to create an entire community who will go to them. Because church people won't always run into the people who need the help. But the rest of the community, if they're, if they're trained in compassion, they will help. That's why we, we created this little thing called Simple Help. You go to your browser on any phone or, and you just type simple.help. And it'll take you to a website five days a week. There's something sent to you in the mail that is sent on, on, on Sunday evening. So for all five days a week, we do something simple just to help. I don't know how many of you have ever gone to bed and, and wondered to yourself, I wonder if this world is really any better because I'm in it. I wonder, I wonder if I did anything today to make the world better. Here's the good news. God didn't send you here. He doesn't keep you here to solve all the problems of the world. He just keeps us here to make it a little bit better. A little bit better. And so these things are just things that will make it a little bit better. And, not, and they're not religious things. They're just practical things. They're, they're let somebody into into, into traffic and wave at them, you know? Makes it a little bit better. You won't ever have to go to the bed, go to bed a, 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 another night going, I wonder if I, I did anything that made the world better today. Because you'll know that. When it talks about the, the uh, good Samaritan, remember got the guy that got beat up and, and the guy that ministered to him directly? That wasn't the end of the service. It says in... Um, um, Luke chapter 10, verse 34 through 37. It says that after he ministered to him, after he put oil uh, on his wounds. Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Thank you. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Go on to the next slide. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Do you know what he just did? Beyond his own personal service, he made an environment that was helpful so that the person in their own time 
could get rejuvenated, could, could get um, uh, better, could, could get healthier. And that's what we need to do with our community in the way we serve. And so as we do that, I, wanna, I just want to tell you um, one secret, and I want to give you one warning. When we help people, many times it's just a practical thing we can do. You've got to discern, by the way, if people keep needing help, whether or not your help is really what they need. All right? Because there's a way you can help that really hurts. And that, there's a way you can help that makes people more dependent instead of stronger, that makes them ashamed instead of feeling dignity. We want to help in a way that makes people understand they have dignity because they're made in the image of God. And this will take a while. But as we do this together, all right, what's important is that you realize that not only should we help people in a way that makes them stronger and more independent so that they can help others, but you have to realize what that takes from you. It is draining to help people. People are frustrating. Do you ever notice that? They will suck you dry. And, and never me. I mean, it's just, the, it's, it's just like, all right, come on, give me some more. God. And so, and, so, and, they, and, and you, you help them, and then they wreck their lives again. And then, and then you're going, oh. You know, you need, that doesn't, if, if, you, if, you, if you just pay attention to them, you will quit. You will go, I'm not doing any good. I'm out. So what do you need? You need people around you who fill you up again, who make you, who make you stronger, who encourage you, who applaud what you're doing. You need people, especially, this is key, go to my, go to my last point, who make you laugh a lot. You need to be around people who make you laugh a lot, all right? Laughter is good medicine, the Bible says. As a matter of fact, when it talks about giving, what does the Bible say about giving? It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, this is what it says. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the God loves a cheerful giver. In Greek, that word is hilarious. You need to hang around hilarious people. You need to, because it's rejuvenating. You will go down. You, you hear sad story after sad story after sad story. There's got to be a punchline at the end that makes you laugh somehow. You know, even at yourself. I heard a story about this one guy who, um, 80, 89 years old, wakes up in the hospital. And, and, he, and his eyes just open. And there's this, his wife of like, you know, 60 some, 70 years. And he says, Ethel? Are you there? She said, I'm here, dear. She said, you had a, a fall, uh, but you're okay now. He said, Ethel, he said, you've always been there, haven't you? She said, I have. He said, when, when I was in the, in the veterans hospital with that awful disease and I woke up, you were there, weren't you? And he said, yes, I was. She said, yes, I was. And she said, when we got in that terrible car accident, 
said, you were, you were okay, I, but I got banged up and I was in the hospital and, and I woke up and, and you were there, weren't you? And she said, yes, I was. He said, when we first got married, remember when we moved into that house and, and the house burned down and we, we lost everything uh, and you were there right beside me, weren't you? And she said, yes, I was. And he finally just grinned and he said, Ethel, you're bad luck. Somewhere at, a, at the end of a long chain of, of horror stories, there's got to be a joke, all right? You've got to hang around people that make you laugh because God will always give you enough to give. That's, that's the key. God will always give. As a matter of fact, the rest of uh, in other, uh, the other part of uh, um, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, 12, look what it says. 2 Corinthians 9 through 11, 12. You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion. You never have to worry about running out of stuff that you're supposed to give. If you run out, you're not supposed to give anymore. Somebody else is supposed to give, all right? God will always give you what you need to give. So the secret that Christians have is, I can always be confident that God is going to enrich me. But I've got to be around people who keep me giving, who keep my resilience, who keep my buoyancy. Last, last story. Did I ever tell you about the time that John Morgan thought I was having an affair? This is a good story. You're going to enjoy this. John's a buddy of mine because he's a, he's a giver in the community. And every, every giver in the community is a buddy of mine. And so one day, uncharacteristically, Becky and I were, um, we had taken a weekend and just gone to, or maybe in the middle of the week, gone to a getaway, uh, Daytona Beach, not far, got a hotel room for a couple of nights and just, you know, enjoyed the ocean and all of that kind of stuff. Well, it was, we were having lunch. We were about to go back and having lunch at, and somebody shouted out the name of the place, Krabby Joe's or someplace on Daytona, you know, on, and, and, and so we're cutting up like we always do. And, uh, <clears throat> and we got done with lunch and, and, um, and I look back, and there's John Morgan back there. And I, and I wonder why he hadn't come to say something, you know? Because John's a, usually a super nice guy and coming up. And, 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 and so I said, well, if you, I looked at back. I said, you ever met John Morgan? He said, she said, no. And I said, well, come on and meet him. So I, I, I took her back and said, John. Well, he got up, you know, he's, he's a little nervous, you know. And, and, uh, and, and I said, this is my wife, Becky. Well, you could see him visibly relax. And I thought, wonder what that's about. Later on, he said, I've got a confession to make. He said, I saw you sitting there with that pretty bond. And I thought, oh, no, not Joel Hunter, too. So many men are falling, not Joel Hunter, too. I thought you had an affair. I said, John, what would make you think that? And this is what he said, because nobody I know laughs that much or flirts that much with his own wife. Now, something wrong in there, but that's another sermon. But I want to tell you, I got somebody in my life who is the wind beneath my wings. You need somebody in your life that is the wind beneath your wing. And it doesn't have to be your spouse. It can be your friend. It can be your family. It can be your church group. Whoever it is, all of us need that. Because God never wants us to stop giving. Because God 
never stops giving to us so that we can give to others. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this word from your word. And thank you for this encouragement. Help us to love. And help us, when we're getting worn out, to be around people who will fill up our tanks again emotionally and spiritually. And help us to be more like Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.